World Cup is the single biggest female sporting event in the world. How much of that 300 million US has gone into the women's game? Every single girl in Australia, New Zealand and the rest of the world is invested in football. The ticket. Hello, welcome to The Daily Podcast. Today I'm sharing news, views and interviews with Kate O'Halloran. Kate, it's the day of the day of the third place playoff. Um, It's difficult, isn't it? Third place playoffs, no one likes, except the unusual thing is they're not usually at home. And I think basically with no more pressure on the side, doesn't this just make for a fantastic farewell, you know, both from the Matildas to the fans and from the fans to the Matildas? Yeah, I think you can even see it in the attitude change of the Matildas themselves. Sam Kerr in the Matildas press conference yesterday saying, you know, yeah, obviously the players are devastated that they're not playing in a final, but they've really focused now, regrouped. They want to finish third. They want to come away with a bronze medal around their necks. They want it to say thank you to the public who have got behind them in such an unprecedented way. And I think, you know, this is the opportunity now. This will be uh, the legacy that the Matildas can leave in terms of not just the public support, but actually having that tangible thing to come away with, a third place finish. Mm. Now, we might as well take you straight to that press conference so you can hear some more uh, expansive thoughts from, we'll start with Sam Kerr, the Australian captain, because as we know, for so long, it looked like she may not even get to play a particular role in this World Cup, but she did. We know she's impatient. We know she loves to win. um, And we know that in the end, she always savours every moment. Here's Sam Kerr. I think we're excited. I think... um of course, there was the disappointment the other night, but I think now the focus is turned to the game and, um, you know, very proud to be, you know, here fighting for the bronze medal, um, the first time any Australian team will do so at a World Cup. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. For us, this has all probably been the most amazing four weeks of our careers. I think just not only what has happened on the pitch, but what has happened off the pitch has been amazing. Um You know, when we first started at this World Cup, we could have never dreamed that this would happen. Um, The the way the country's got behind us, um, the way we've been playing, it's been an amazing journey to be a part of. So I think for us, you know, right now we're all like, wow, we cannot believe, you know, what has happened in these last four weeks. But I think in five, ten years' time, we'll really look back on this and be like, this was the most amazing four weeks of our lives. And even today at training, we were all a little bit sad, you know, last training session, last prehab together, last, you know, it feels a bit sad that it's over. Um, But we have one more game that, you know, we can really end on a high. And, you know, third place for us would be an amazing thing and an amazing thing for this country. So for us, there's that... Um, you know, extra motivation to end on a high and and really leave an amazing legacy. Uh, You know, coming third place at a Women's World Cup is something that, you know, you can only dream of as a kid. So Sam actually looking, you know, particularly statesman-like, I thought. Like, she's really grown into that role of captain, hasn't she? And we'll hear from Tony Gustafson shortly, but I know at one point he even uh, basically interrupted a question that was asked of Sam so that he could compliment Sam on the role she played even when she wasn't on the pitch because of her calf injury. Yeah, I think his words were something to the effect of, you know, it would have been so easy for those emotions to overwhelm her, for that to have had a flow-on effect on the rest of the team. 
but that is what you expect from your leader, from your captain, to be able to take that individual disappointment out of it, to be able to get behind your teammates. We saw how animated she was on the bench as a sub, you know, even the games when she knew she wasn't going to play, she put it all behind her in an incredibly mature way, given how few minutes she played in the end at a tournament that would have been the highlight of her career, obviously. Mm. So, yeah, I think that just shows how much she's grown into it. All right, let's hear from the Australian coach, Tony Gustafsson. You can sense the excitement in the team today from being very hurt emotionally after the last game, which I think the the Swedish team was as well. Uh, It's about using those emotions and channeling them them the right way to use as fuel going into the game tomorrow. Uh, There's also an opportunity to... um, to celebrate together with the fans in, in this World Cup journey that we've all been on and the support has been amazing to, to get one more game and get the chance to have a medal game on, on home soil uh, for the first time ever in the history of football in this country it's just just amazing and you can sense the excitement not just from the players but also the fans on the street and, and the support that we felt and how they feel going into the game tomorrow. It's funny how this game works right? A couple of weeks ago it was speculation of when I was going to get sacked uh, from the job um, and we know the business how it works. You're never better than your last game. Losing tomorrow, I'm probably shit again. Um, so it's, it's just how it works. Uh, I'm just focused on one game at a time. I love working with this team. We've been on a journey together, and I said it from day one. It's such a privilege to be to be part of this team and this journey and be a smaller part of something much bigger than the 90-minute football uh, and the legacy that these players I wanted to leave here and, and been able to do so as well. And experience the game tomorrow with them is, is something I'm really looking forward to. I want to credit Sam here because you think about it yourself. This has been the dream of hers for, for so long. And then the day before the opening game of the World Cup, you get an injury and you don't know if you're going to play at all. It could be so devastating that you can bring a whole team down because you can't handle your own emotions. But what Sam did in that moment to be the best teammate that I've ever seen is just, just everything about Sam as a person and as a leader for this team. The energy she gave, the belief she gave, the support she gave, and at the same time going through her toughest moment in her career possibly. It's just it's all about you, Sam. Fantastic. In terms of the tournament on home soil uh, here in Australia, I've experienced the tournament from a different side than you have and the fans have, so I can only speak from a head coach perspective. It's been world-class in every aspect, whether it's training pitches, whether it's the way we've been treated and welcome, whether it's traveling, whether it's the pilot talking to us on the airplane when we're going to head off, whether it's, you know, everyone has been so fantastic helping us out in every aspect. It's like the red carpet have been rolled out for us to walk on so we can focus just on football. So from a head coach perspective, world class. So what do you make of that? People are starting to talk about the fact that he's been approached to take on the US job. Uh, we know that he's contracted here until the Paris Olympics, but, you know, contracts are made to be broken, aren't they? Um, if you were him, what what would go into making up your mind about what you would do? Stay with the Matildas through the Olympics or head over to the US now? Because I don't think the US is the prospect it once was. No, it's strange, isn't it, to think about... Just the US being the incredibly dominant team that they've been in women's football and now this sort of changing of the guard. Uh, I don't know. I feel like his heart is really with the Matildas. I don't know. That really comes through when he speaks about how much he respects the players, how professional they are, just how much he loves spending time with them. I just feel like he's the bond that he has with the players and the team. I can't imagine him wanting to break that 
just for the chance to try and turn around, rebuild a US team. But I don't know, that's me, that's where I'd go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we know their opponents are Sweden, and of course, they're in a chance to finish third. They're not playing at home, so it's a bit of a different dynamic for them. Uh, Not a lot of questions in the press conference for them that were done in English. Uh, but what was done in English, we can bring you now. I think that's modern football, it's transitions. And uh, I think Sweden and Australia is in, in the same way there. We, we like transitions, we like uh, defending. But I think we, maybe in some games, we we, we a little bit difficult in defending. Uh, maybe uh, if you look at the Spain game for us and, uh, and the England game with Australia, they... They have a little bit lower uh, in the defense, and we are a little bit higher and, and pressure harder. And, but I know that Australia sometimes do that. So we see what uh, Tony and Jans um, going to find out tomorrow. Um, but um, I think I think tomorrow the transition is is very important, and that's one thing that I think Sweden has hasn't been enough good in 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 the games. Uh, um, we have been good in set pieces, but, but we have been stronger in the transitions. So so. Uh, I hope that we can be that tomorrow. The ticket. And of course, the final is still to come, but that's a topic for another day. Jill Ellis, who was the two-time winning coach, who Tony Gustafsson was actually deputy for at uh, that US team before he got the job here. Um, and it's been interesting listening to her because she's now involved with FIFA in this technical advisory group, just looking at growing the game uh, internationally and how well that has gone here, really, with the eight new teams making their debut here. And, you know, you couldn't say that any single one of them was totally outclassed. Yeah, I think she said something to the effect of everyone expected really lopsided scores, and we did from teams like Morocco, and we got a 6-0 defeat for Morocco in the first game against Germany, and then they ended up progressing through the group stages at the expense of the world number two. I mean, what a story, and and that's a nation that has a two-tier professional women's football league, so that just goes to show when the investment comes, when a country and a federation gets behind their women's football team, what you can achieve. Let's hear from Jill. She was speaking at the um, FIFA Women's Football, what was it called? Convention, two-day convention. In fact, it's continuing today, but um, we've got other things on our agenda and can't be there. But this is what Jill had to say yesterday. People think a lot of technical skills just in pure and finishing. I mean, we've seen some extraordinary strikes on goal, um, but I agree. I think the, the level of goalkeeping has improved. I think the, um, the precision, the passing, the, the ability to break lines, I think overall you're seeing... It's not just that it's technically improving, it's, it's improving and they're doing it at a faster pace, meaning the game, the, the speed of the game, the overall speed and athleticism of players will always continue to rise. So it's not only can you can you execute at this level, can you execute at the top level. I think we've seen that. I was just saying in that group, it's hard to it's hard to say who the golden ball winner should be. Who is the very best player in this tournament? And you could say, well, is there one? But arguably, there's probably so many good players at this tournament, it's hard now to single one out, right? Like you see young players coming through, you see veterans. It's just hard to pick one, which again, I think speaks to the just the level of growth in this tournament. And the challenges for um, nations that are coming through, yeah. nations that are starting to invest, nations like Morocco, yes. uh, nations like you know Jamaica, Haiti, yes. um, how quickly will those gaps close? And what is required to make it happen? My, my opinion, people expected really lopsided scores. We saw competitive games. I mean, I, people have asked me, what's your inspiration moment? It's, it's been Morocco getting to the quarterfinals. I mean, sorry, to the to knockout rounds. Um, but 
I, I, that's what I would say the narrative of this World Cup is, is competitiveness, it's balance, it's parity. Um, we see giants fall, we've seen newcomers come in, debutantes do very well. So, you know, I, what I hope for is that, that when they go back to their countries, that's just the, the springboard to the next in development and growth. It's like now they've got a taste of it. Now it's going to um, inspire passion in their country with the little players wanting to join and play. That's where I hope it now just continues to grow even more. And, and we see more debutants. To the established nations. Oh, I mean, for sure. But listen, I, when you're a competitor, you actually want comp competition. You know, it's something, you know, I've done work in CONCACAF and I think the, the better we can raise that area, the better we're all going to be. So I feel that about the world is, yes, I mean, I knew Portugal was going to be a really tough match for the US because I've seen them, I've watched them, I'm friends with the coach, I, in terms of I know how they play. Uh, I wasn't surprised by that, so that's that's kind of cool. Jill, uh, you won twice and Sarina can win this time, yeah. but still she was just one between seven men in the round of 16. Yep. What to do to change it faster, this scenario for women? What to do to have women uh, winning more? Well, I think, you know, in the, in the World Cup and the Olympics, I think women have actually won a lot of World Cups. I don't know how many women, you probably can look at it, but, you know, myself, I think um, Sylvia Nide, um, you know, Serena has a potential here. So I think women can execute at the top level. Um, I think what you're seeing in terms of the numbers is we've got to continue to create, invest in opportunities. We can't just assign a, a, a player just because um, a head coach just because she's a female. We have to make sure that there's support around her, that she's educated to be ready for that position when it, when it arrives. So I think, you know, I, I said this earlier, I think FIFA has a program with the Youth World Cups where there must be a female either on the head coach or the assistant coach position. It's unfortunate we have to legislate that, but sometimes we have to do that. I think UEFA does the same thing. Um, I think it's, it's people in leadership rec uh, positions giving and creating opportunities for others. Because I think we have shown at the top level, women can be very, very successful managers at the highest level. Do the federations that uh, realize that, or just FIFA realized until now? Um, what do you mean? The federations. The federations, I mean, you know, I think Germany does. I think they've had, you know, many female head coaches. Um, I think a lot of federations know. At the end of the day, we get we get caught up on that. It, we want to make sure we have qualified <laughs> coaches. So it's not always sometimes just investing at this top level and giving head coaching positions to the national teams. It's investing so they cut their teeth. I was an assistant coach for many, many years. I was an assistant, I was a U20 coach. I cut my teeth. We need to make sure that is happening before and that's the investment level, sorry, that we need. So. Do you think there's a future where if that happens at grassroots investments and coaching happens, that we see women, uh, you know, it's not unusual for a woman to coach a man's team in the way that it's... Oh, for sure, for it's sure. I mean, far I, away, do you think no, I don't think it's far away at all. We've seen it in, you know, in the US, we've seen it in other major sports. We've had assistant coaches in NFL, Major League Baseball, about NBA. Um, no, I think it should be almost genderless. If, it, if, if it's a good coach, it's a good coach. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that your point about the grassroots, like in the US, for example, we hardly have any females on the sidelines of, of the youth. And I think it's because it's a tough environment. Parents are hard in there sometimes criticizing. You've got, um, you know, people sometimes think that a great coach is someone screaming and yelling because they're doing something. And so I don't think we see females in that area and then therefore they're not cutting their teeth at an early age. Does that make sense? Because we got to get more girls, I think, women coaching in the youth ranks because that's really where you grow and you learn as well. Oh, well you did you to change or adjust <laughs> development because they're starting to get passed by other countries. What is the need to change that? 
what do they need to change for the development level? Well, at the end of the day, you want the best players to train with the best players. So it's it's looking at that and saying, you know, I mean, I, ECNO had a 6-0 semi-final, okay. right? So there's such disparity in, in, in that, and that's the best in the... So you've got to look at how do we get... The, the beauty of the smaller countries is they get the best to train with each other. So how do we look at that environment, and how do we get the best coaches working um, in the youth environment with players that are... The training environment matters. Um, yes, sorry. I, I want to know uh, what, your, what is your opinion about the Moroccan team, especially because the first time in World Cup and each. What's my opinion about it? It's yeah. freaking awesome. It's fantastic. I mean, I think um, I was fortunate. I went, I think it was two years ago, I was in Morocco. Uh, I, was working, I went to see an academy and then I went over to the tri national training site and um, it's a beautiful place I mean to me and I sat and actually got to meet some of the girls um, it just speaks about the investment it's not a surprise to me when I went to their training center I'm like they're invested now obviously we want to continue that and grow that but it showed me that uh, they really believe in it well that pretty much does us Kate um, been great talking to you again and uh, I hope the Matildas do well I hope Sweden does well. I hope Spain and England do well. In the end, it's just been a brilliant World Cup. Oh, it's been an amazing tournament. I'll never forget it. Thanks, Tracy.